We hope you enjoy this tag preaching recorded at Equipus Church in Eden. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Um, yeah, so I'm Alice and I lead young adults. <laughs> um, if you are a young adult, you should definitely come to My Flat Rules. It is lots of fun and I can reassure you, I'm not cooking, so the food will be good. <laughs> um, yeah, if you do want to know more information, though, um, feel free to hit me up after the service. Um, yeah, so before I kick off, I'm just going to pray, and then uh, we'll get right into it. <clears throat> so, dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for everyone in this room tonight. I thank you that um, you have brought them here, and I pray that you open their hearts to hear your words and your message, Lord Father God. Um, bless them and, and use me in this moment and speak through me. In your name, amen. Awesome. So I'm going to talk to you about being prepared. Um, who likes being prepared? Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. Good, good, good. I like being prepared too. Um, I would love to say that I'm spontaneous, but uh, yeah, Hannah's shaking her head in the front row there. I'm not super spontaneous. Um, it's not because I don't love a good adventure or anything, but I just do like to be prepared. Um, you know, you want to be wearing the right shoes when you're jumping in puddles, not the wrong ones. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, so in the Bible, yep, good. David is a man that was prepared. <laughs> um, so we're, we're kicking off in 1 Samuel uh, 16, in chapter 16 and 17. Um, so yeah, he was a man that was prepared. His uh, current circumstances always didn't always represent his future purposes and, and potential, but he didn't let that stop him from becoming more than what people saw him as. We first meet him in 1, um, 1 Samuel 16, when the prophet and judge Samuel comes to anoint him after King Saul's rejected by God. And David is the youngest son of Jesse. He is considered the least of the least, so much so that he wasn't even brought before Samuel as a potential candidate to be king. His job was to, to tend the sheep and um, basically he just hung out with the sheep in a field alone. And it, didn't, it doesn't really say in, in the um, chapters what he did there, but we can imagine that he was preparing himself, that he was um, yeah, preparing and strengthening himself from, for what was to come, especially when he did know that he was anointed to be king, um, but he was still in charge of the sheep. That's good. Um, so then we skip forward to the story of David and Goliath in chapter 17. And what happens here is, um, so the Philistines come against the Israelites and King uh, Saul is still king at this point, though he has lost the anointing from God. Not a super great combo for him. Um, but yeah, what happens is a giant by the name of Goliath comes out of the Philistine camp and he challenges the Israelites to a one-on-one -on -one combat. So in verse 8 to 11, it says, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Goliath changed the battle plan. Instead of the armies going head to head, 
he, as the Israelites were prepared to do, he challenged them to a one-on-one combat to decide the fate of the two sides. And Goliath himself um, posed a new challenge because he was a giant. Now, it says that he was six cubits in a span tall. <laughs> I did have to look this up. Uh, somewhere between two to three metres or nine to feet tall. And back in the day, as I understand it, people were a little bit smaller than we are, so that, you know, was big. <laughs> Um, therefore, it's quite understandable that no one really wanted to go out and fight him because it would surely mean a certain death. But for 40 days, morning and night, Goliath came out and challenged the Israelites. And while Saul wisely didn't want to go out and fight, he couldn't find anyone else to fight him. And so they were, the Israelites were just left on the battlefield waiting for 40 days. Then we have David, who wasn't even in the army. Um, it said that Saul gathered... Um, everyone who could fight to be in the army. So to say that David wasn't in it kind of says that he, he didn't know how to fight or he couldn't fight. But he went between the front where his brothers were and his father's field to tend the sheep. So on this 40-day mark, Jesse had sent him out to um, deliver some food to his brothers and see what was going on. And he heard Goliath's challenge. And seeing that no one else was stepping up, he was like, yep, you know what? I'll fight him. <laughs> Now, my question is, why would David, who is pretty little, why would he choose to fight Goliath? He was considered the least of his father's sons. He wasn't um, qualified to be in the army, and he didn't have the appropriate armor and attire. But he was prepared for this fight. David had fought lions and bears in the wilderness, and he had perfected his slingshot skills, (laughs) and he knew who he had on his side. He knew the authority he had on the God, and the weapon that um, God could be for him. So in uh, verse 45, it says, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Because David had this solid foundation in God, he had the faith to go out and tackle this literal giant and know that he was safe. He knew that he had already won this battle. So for us, Goliath can represent a great storm or struggle that we do not see coming in our lives. It's something that is standing in our way that is holding us back and stopping us from moving forward and claiming the victory. It's a robot that we can't see any other way around and it may even leave us standing on the edge of the battlefield waiting for 40 days, dismayed, terrified, morning and night. Saul and army had fought many battles and won a lot of them, but they had not encountered anything like Goliath before. They had no alternative plan, no, no plan B. They were just completely unprepared. But David was prepared. While he had been out in the fields tending the sheep, he had been preparing himself for the next season, for the next battle and the next situation, even though he didn't know when it would come or what it would look like. In verse 34 to 36, it says, David said to Saul, "'Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep.'" father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. In the quiet, when no one was watching, David was preparing himself. But we also need to prepare ourselves and our lives for these struggles and the storms and the giants that will inevitably come our way, but we don't always 
know when they're going to turn up. Um, up at Shout Conference, Mark Varghese spoke on the idea of living with our cups overflowing. And he used the example of the parable of the 10 virgins in Matthew 25, where there were 10 women waiting for the bridegroom to come and only five of them had brought enough uh, extra oil for their lamps to wait out the, to wait them out. <laughs> um, those five had come prepared for a long wait, but the other five had only brought enough that would just last them. They weren't living with their lamps overflowing, but at just enough. So we too should be living with our oil in our lamps at set it overflowing because we don't know whether we're going to experience a long wait or whether we're coming up against a great battle. But living abundantly now can determine how we're going to respond in the next season. So we can prepare ourselves um, by knowing the Word of God, spending time reading our Bibles, doing devotionals. Um, We can know who God has created us to be, that we are wonderfully and fearfully made and that we are purposed. We can gather people around us that are going to support us now, but also fight alongside us or even fight for us in the tough seasons. And of course, we can pray. Um, If you're anything like me, you would have heard this idea of the oil or the lamp um, or the cup overflowing and not really like taking it on board or fully understand like the necessity of it for preparing for the future. Um, Until recently, however, this changed. Um, So in my own life, I've been um, facing a storm and a struggle. Um, For me, my giant recently has been grief. Um, So similar to when the Israelites came, they were prepared for the wrong fight against Goliath. And with grief, it's something that will inevitably happen to all of us, but we do not know when it will come or even how it's going to come. So yeah, for me, while I knew that my granddad would one day die, I wasn't able to fully prepare myself for it or the grief that would follow. However, having previously lived with my cup overflowing and knowing who I am in God and knowing the truths of His Word and that He has already won these victories for me, it meant that I was prepared when the storm finally did come. Um, so yeah um, when I lacked energy to fight against the pain or see anything else than what was my current circumstances or my reality I still knew that I was safe that I had um, that this is, wasn't going to be my home that I weren't, wasn't going to stay here in the pain that there was more for me um, in Deuteronomy 31.8 it says Um, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. So by living abundantly previously, it meant that when I was in this tough season, I wasn't operating on empty. I was operating on half full. And we know that our cup is much easier to fill when it's half full than when it's empty. So I ask you, How are you preparing now for the next season? What are you doing that can help you fight against what is coming? Is your cup overflowing or is it set at just enough? Cool. So (laughs) I'm just going to pray and then we'll get Jason up afterwards. So yeah, Lord, Lord God, I just pray for everyone here today. I thank you that you're with us, that you stand with us and you, and you fight alongside us. 
I pray for those who may be currently facing a battle, that they know that you are with them, that they um, can lean on you and trust in you, Lord Father God. And I pray for those that may be coming up a bit against a battle or a storm, Lord Father God, that they know that they are preparing themselves now so that they are ready, that they are able to um, fight against whatever is coming. Lord Father God, I pray this in your name. Amen. So I'm just going to introduce Jason, who no doubt needs a little introduction. Um, Yeah, awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Cool. Thanks, Alice. Great word. It's good to be prepared. I got the water bottle. Awesome. <laughs> hey, so um, so thank you. So yeah, as I've been introduced, I'm Jason. Uh, and tonight, uh, really, I just want to uh, go back uh, to pretty much near the very start and talk about Noah and what we can learn uh, from how Noah went about things. So uh, pretty impressive that he ended up building an ark Uh, that would be used by God to save him and his family. So let's just recap, just remind ourselves what's happened. And we know from Genesis that God has become uh, slightly frustrated, quite possibly very angry, uh, with what's happened to to humankind, uh, to all the living things uh, that he has created and made. He talks about evil has uh, come into them, and he comes up with this uh, almighty plan uh, that he is going to wipe out uh, every living thing. Some translations in the Bible talk about it as annihilating every living thing. But thankfully, uh, he has identified Noah uh, as someone who's living a righteous, blameless life, uh, who is also walking in faith. Uh, with God. And so Noah becomes part of this incredible plan. And so let's pick up uh, tonight in Genesis 6.13, if you want to go there with me. Could take a while to get there. So God, God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people. For the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood, make rooms in it, and coat it with pitch inside and out. Whoa. Imagine that. So God has come to you, and you're Noah, and he has said, I'm going to wipe out every living thing. And by the way, Noah, before I do so, you're going to build an ark that is going to save or be, be, you know, be the redemption for the future. Wow. How do you do that? <laughs> that would be what I was asking. <laughs> how do I do that? The title of my message tonight is God Knows How. And so picking up again at verse 15, this is how to build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. That's big. Make a roof for it, leaving below the roof an opening one cubit high all round. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle and upper decks. 
I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has the breath of life in it, everything on earth will perish. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wives and your sons' wives with you. You're going to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you, two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and of every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come and come to you to be kept alive. You are to make every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and them. Noah did everything as God commanded him. So God has come and he has set this plan uh, for Noah. And Noah being a a man of faith uh, steps into it. He takes it on, takes it on boldly. Builds the ark to the specifications, the 300 cubit long, 50 cubit wide, 30 high, three levels, uh, and goes about gathering uh, all the creatures, uh, male and female of every kind, in the food. See, what it seemed impossible at that very outset to build an ark, God made possible. Because as soon as Noah stepped into it, God started giving the plans and creating the way. Noah knew he could trust God and he honoured his word. He took a step of faith and into the plans that God had created and built the ark. So fast forwarding a bit, and as per God's plans, uh, Noah has um, built this ark, so now has the ark, and he's boarded it with uh, his wife and his sons and their wives and all the living things. And they live on it, um, it looks to be about at least a year, but that is 40 days, 40 nights of flood, and at least another 150 days of flooding before God. God sends the wind. And so again, putting ourselves in the shoes of Noah, what must have been going through his mind at that moment? God, I did as you asked. I built this ark. I gathered the animals. Everything's in place. Now what? Yeah? (laughs) Again, God continues his plan, continues to keep uh, to the promise, the covenant uh, that he made with Noah. Because Noah stepped out in faith. God is faithful. So picking up in Genesis 8, but God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were in the ark, and he sent a wind over the earth, and the waters receded. Things went on, and another 40-odd days, Noah sent out um, several um, started with a raven and then sent the doves uh, and eventually discovered that, yes, there is dry land. We can get off this ark. Uh, we can go on living. So after all of that time, Noah did remain faithful. He didn't lose sight of the plan that God had, the promise that God had for him. Noah had taken a bold step of faith and God had come through. You know, about two years ago, um, 
I was here in a service and Pastor Will uh, was giving uh, an awesome message uh, talking about honour and about the ways that we can, we, you know, we honour and that is with our time, our talent uh, and our treasure. And it provoked me uh, into this journey that I went into uh, where I was like, well, I'm already um, honouring with, with treasure, already honouring with time. But God was saying, no, I want the talent too. I want your talent. I want what you've learnt or what I've taught you through your time as an HR person to come and build the kingdom. And I was sitting there thinking, wow, God, that's an awesome, awesome thing. And hey, I'm all in, but how? (laughs) And see, the thing is, as soon as I started that journey, as soon as I took that step of faith, uh, God started to create the way. He started to create the conversations that I was able to have. He started to create the ideas and the thinking and the ways about going through it. But it took that initial bold step of faith. And so now, as I stand here, so now I'm on on staff and loving my job here, um, serving in the house. But I'm also able to uh, provide equippers throughout New Zealand with an HR service. All because there's a step taken over here. God knocked. See, Jason stepped. Stepped. He came through. Just like Noah. You know, God said, hey, Noah, build me an ark. Noah stepped. And God created the plans, created the way, and filled it up. And so maybe you're here tonight, and you know that God is calling you. He's calling upon you got a promise for you, plans for you. And you're like, but I'm not sure. How do I start? Where do I start? God has a way. He knows how. Philippians 1.6, that who, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You see, the thing is, because Noah stepped out in faith, He was able to build the platform that then him and his family were raised to safety on. It was a platform that saved his family. Just imagine what you could start tonight. Just taking that step. What platform is that going to build? Where is that going to take you? And all you have to do is rely on God. Be faithful. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you. I thank you that you are faithful, that you do find a way for us, that your promise is a yes and an amen, that when you set us apart, when you set us on a journey, you remain with us the entire way. And Lord God, I pray for every person in this room tonight, that, that you're, you're putting into them, put into their heart a plan, that they can then step out to in faith and for what will happen as they do so, what platform it is that they will build. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome.
Great. So I'd now like to uh, invite Anna Forster up. So uh, many of you will know uh, Anna uh, here on a Sunday, uh, leading worship or part of the band in, in some way. Uh, but, you know, her serving um, is pretty much 24 Seven, almost, as one of our youth leaders, she does an awesome job. So let's stand with me tonight uh, just to honour Anna uh, and watch the amazing work she's doing. Let's give it up for Jason as well. Thanks, Jason. While I open my books, um, feel free to take a seat. Um, don't we have a great church? We've got awesome people in our church, and um, and I've really over the last couple of weeks I've come to know what um what having a church family is. When I'm so far away from my family, and great things are happening, and and not so great things are happening, um, but the way that that people in our church just gather around, and it really is a community that encourages, that um provokes, that challenges, but ultimately loves. And so I'm so thankful um for our church family and the awesome people. Um, in it. Um, and what I believe as, as a church and, and also what our church leaders are believing is that we're going into a new season and that what that will take is that we need a rise in faith. And so tonight, just before I start off with any message, and I've only got eight minutes for 57 seconds left, but before I start off is that we are entering into a new season in the church and what it will take is a greater level of faith. But what I believe in this moment over the next little bit is that God is breaking barriers, that He's breaking barriers in our thinking, that He's breaking barriers in, um, in, in our belief or inherent beliefs, and, that, um, and He's saying, go again. So um, He's removing the limits, the limits that were put on ages ago or throughout um, the, the ways of doing church is that we're going to break limits as a church. We're going to go and do things that have never been done before, and we're going to say no to all the, all the um, oh, we can't do that because that has never been done or that's never worked. Like, who says? You know, let's break those limits. Um, but, um, but to do that, I believe that God's going to deal with some barriers that we've put on our own hearts, that we've put on our own thinking, the things that we've, um, we, we might say no to out loud, but then like in the Spirit, we're sort of going, oh yeah, well, that's sort of how it always has been. If we're going to break into something, first of all, God's got to break barriers. And then I also preface this me message that um, if you spend a lot of time around me, that nothing, none of this might be new. You'll be like, I've heard this before, Anna. Yeah, take it. Because <laughs> um, this is my life, right? <laughs> and I'm sharing that with you tonight. Um, so first of all, turn to someone next to you and go, it's a story of faith. Great. Love it over there. Yes, Luca. 10 house points tomorrow. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna be responsive tonight. Everyone say it's the story of faith. Abraham, Father Abraham, he had many sons. Eh? Many sons had Father Abraham, but before he had sons, he didn't. Eh? Before he I, oh yeah, and I spent some time at home and I say hey every now and then, that's what I'm trying to cut out. Um, but before he had sons, he didn't but he had a promise. And the promise was given to him by God. Isn't that great? Who's got a promise tonight? The promise was given to him by God. In Genesis 12, verse one to two, it says, the Lord had said to Abraham, before he became Abraham, read your Bibles, you'll find out why. 
Go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. I, will, I the Lord, will make your name great and you will be a blessing. And then in Genesis 15, it says, um, after a few things have happened to Abram, God says to him, look up at the sky and count the stars if indeed you can so shall your offering, offspring be. Off, that's really hard. Offspring be. So will your children be. You have a lot of children. Everyone say, it's the story of faith. Father Abraham did not have many sons at this point, but he had a promise given to him by God. It says that his descendants would outnumber the stars. It was a promise that was given to him when he had no sons. It was a promise that was given to him when he was of old age. It was a promise that was given to him when his life, oh, his wife was barren, meaning she could have no kids. Everyone say it's a story of faith. But the story of faith currently is too good to be true. What I've come to find in my few years of age or living is that, um, is that we live in this dichotomy. All the English teachers give a woo Woo, just me. Okay, um, we live in this dichotomy. And what that is, is it's like this contrast. This contrast when we've got a promise that is given by God. And, and then on the other hand, we've, um, we're also living in our current reality. And as Christians, we live in this dichotomy because we have been given a promise that all would see the glory of God. That is a promise. That my family would have salvation. That is a promise that I have. That, um, that I will never falter or fail because God is my strength. That is a promise that I have been given. But sometimes I do fail. Sometimes I do feel weak. Sometimes I do have fear. And so I've got this contrast. You will be strong and courageous. But right now, God, I'm actually anxious. That's something we face as Christians. And so to start off with, well, I'm nearly wrapping up. <laughs> to, tonight, can we look at Genesis chapter 18? And I'll flip to my bookmark and it will come up on the screen. There it goes. See you later. There in the tent, he said, Oh, so Abraham is there with his wife, Sarah. Um, and here's where we are. There in the tent, he said, surely I will return to you about this time next year. So the man of God arrives and he's talking to Abraham. Surely I will arrive to you about this time next year and your wife will have a son. Now Sarah, who was Abraham's wife, if I left that out, um, was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself. And she thought, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? After I am like past the age of childbearing and I'm worn out of trying to have kids over and over and over and having this disappointment, will I still have this pleasure of having a kid? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was, was afraid and lied and said, I didn't laugh. <laughs> but he said, yes, you did. <laughs> and that's where we'll stop. <laughs>
Sarah laughed because it was too good to be true. And then she lied because what she was feeling on the inside had surfaced and someone had caught her. <laughs> hey, how often do we have promises by God that we declare with our mouths because it's the right thing to do, that we say yes to in church because that's what our leaders are believing, that we say, yes, I'll support you, but inside we've got to laugh. <laughs> the church is going to double. <laughs> We're halving at the moment. Hey. <laughs> Straight up. So we're going to see 500 youth in church. <laughs> We've got 30. <laughs> How's that going to happen? We're going to win our world. Oh, do you know who's in my world? <laughs> do you know the challenges I face in my world? Those people aren't going to respond. <laughs> we're going to be bold and courageous. <laughs> but I suffer from anxiety. I can't even leave my bedroom sometimes. How can I be bold and courageous? On the outside, we declare these things because that's the culture of our church. But sometimes we let the culture of the world get into us and we start laughing at the promises of God. With These are the limits that have been placed on our, on our thinking and they are the limits that have been placed on our believing. If we're going to reach our city, for God, if we're going to do what He has promised us, if we are going to activate that in faith, we need to break those barriers off. We can't just patch things over anymore with a nice verse. We serve a transformative God. We serve a transformative God. These verses aren't here just for us to say and to make our minds at ease for five minutes. As we declare these verses, we're breaking things in the spiritual. As we speak to what we're feeling in the natural, as we speak to the things that we are, um, that we're, we're sort of like laughing at, like, ha, 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 but I'm dealing with this. As we name it for what it is and allow the transformative power of God working through that, we will see them, we will see those limits break. Can I share a personal story with you? Last year, I really struggled. I really struggled to even leave my bedroom because I was fe having these feelings, these anxious thoughts. And I would be um, rostered to lead worship, but I couldn't even leave my bedroom. And I would come up here and declare the promises of God, and they're true, and they are real. But I was having these feelings of, Anna, you're not worthy of being up here. Anna, you've got nothing to say. Anna, there is no power in your words. And so I was shrinking back. And I was going, why am I, like I'm saying these scriptures, I'm believing these scriptures, but nothing is shifting in my world. And then I had this revelation that we can, um, sometimes as Christians, we can go, this is what I need to say right now. And it's true because it's the truth of God and the truth sets us free. But sometimes we can say it and not fully address what has happened in our worlds. Why was I having these feelings? Because I was scared of what people thought of me. I was still bowing to the opinions of people. Still right now, I'm struggling. Right now, I'm saying these things and I'm like, ah, don't go and hide. <laughs> but, but I had to deal with my, with my, um, with my want for, for affirmation by humans. I do not serve humans. I'm here to serve. But I serve the all-powerful and almighty God. Right, and so finding my identity in Him 
is that I can go home at the end of the day and have faith that no matter what I say, if I am completely pursuing God, that He will do the rest. It's not up to me. It's up to God and it's also up to you who listen. <laughs> hey. <laughs> um, and if possible, could the worship team come up and join me? Is that all good? If we go to Hebrews 11 verses 1 to 2. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us the assurance about the things that we cannot see. And then if we go down to the verse about Sarah, please. In verse 11, and by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was able to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. At first hearing of the promise, Sarah laughed. But in Hebrews, our great faith chapter, the heroes of faith, Sarah is remembered as a hero of faith, that she believed in the promise that God had given her and she was able to conceive children and make Abraham the great father of many nations and had many sons. The book of remembrance holds no record of sin. Jesus paid it all. He sacrificed it all. And in that, when we go to heaven and we give account for our life, I just imagine it being like God holding up this, this movie reel. And instead of uh, and seeing all of the like black, blo black blots of my sin, Jesus' sacrifice covers all of that. And so He holds it up to the light and then He sees these like bright sparks of faith. We're honour said yes to God, when Anna took a leap of faith, when Anna believed in the Word of God rather than the words of humans. I believe that's what I see. While Sarah didn't believe at the start, she's remembered for her great faith. Tonight, are there any barriers or limitations? where you hear the promise of God and you're laughing. On the outside, you're like, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, I can believe. And then when you go home, you're like, oh, that's gonna be hard work. How am I gonna do that? <laughs> Rather than God, where's my plan? Hey, <laughs> tonight, can we all just stand right now? I believe there's a moment where, where God is gonna break off limitations. We're moving into a season as a church. I believe that this place will be overflowing with people, not just for numbers, but because we're on a church on a mission. We're going to see our city saved. And for that to happen, first of all, we need to break the limits off our own thinking and off our belief. And so right now, wherever you are, however long you've been a Christian, because sometimes that can be a disservice to us. I've seen that, done that. <laughs> this is how it's always been done. Hey, let's break those limits tonight. With every head bowed, just to give um, people the ability to respond. We hope you enjoyed this message recorded at Equippers Church, Dunedin. We pray it blessed you. For more information, please visit equipperschurch.com.